Welcome to the Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, NMLS 134871. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited. Now in the studio, local mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, November 12th show. You can also listen to my podcast, Facebook premiere, or you can catch my show on my show YouTube channel. I am your host and local mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge onto events, today's events, and how they can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. I'm here to answer any questions or more importantly, to connect you with the guests that I have on the show. You can go online to themoneyhour.com. And now for the lineup for today's show, I'll be having a panel conversation with both of my guests, Rebecca Bass of CIC Consulting Group and Kyle Williams of IPX. 1031. I'll also be having a conversation with Rebecca on resale certificates made simple and a followed conversation with Kyle, all things 1031. Also, if you're watching my show on my Facebook premiere or YouTube channel, I would like to take this opportunity to introduce my producer over at Hubbard Radio, Benny. Hi, Tina. Good to be back. Good to be back for sure. And also my marketing director, Becky. Thank you. So excited to be part of the show. Thank you. And a big shout out to both of them. I could not do this show without everything that's happening behind the scenes. So thank you, Benny and Becky. Great information and great guests in studio. For more information on any topic discussed, please go to themoneyhour.com. And now let's go ahead and start out the show with a little bit of money chat. Money. Money. Last week, there were many winners and many losers. However, we're all winners. Why, you may ask? Because it's marked the day that we no longer will be receiving spam political text messages. I'll admit it was fun to respond to some of the senders and dangle a carrot as if it were a verge of conceding to their attempts to sway me in their thinking. After a few exchanges, I would write, hey, can you take down this other number? My phone's going to be going dead. And then I would just provide a number of one of my loan officer competitors. <laughs> Leading up to today, to Tuesday's night midterm race, the market put on a decent rally. For a lack of any meaningful follow through in pricing, I'd attribute this to simply a battle from footing in the wake of inflation release consumer price index CPI. As we woke to what looked to be shaping up to be a Republican controlled House and a Senate currently undermined the overall sentiment seemed to be a recipe for gridlock in policy advancement for the next two years. This oftentimes is not a positive for the equities due to the government's ability to roll out more policy bills. We may not have a vote in how to the outcome of the market, and it turns out, but we can choose to show up. There's one thing 100% of Americans can agree on election day. It's 50% Americans have lost their mind. Thursday morning, the first song that popped into my head was Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. 
Which old witch? The Wicked Witch. Ah, yes, the Wicked Witch of the Economy Inflation. And to embrace this analogy, the markets were joining into saying spreading the news that inflation is dead. We saw over 180 basis points improvement in the bond market and rates dropped to half a percent in one day. Thank goodness. Finally, let's hope we can keep it going. If the market was surprised by the top 100 billboard hits of all time, I would be... I'm a believer by the monkeys. Perhaps we could also embrace happy by Furlow Williams while our dancing might be summarized by I got a feeling by Black Eyed Peas. If you'd ask me, I'd even join in on I'm a believer immediately turning into the dial of which got the sign by Ace of Base. To land this plane, I would like to simply plead for the market to unbreak my heart and tell me that you'd love me again. Yes, CPI came in lower than expected. The first crack in the crack in IE inflation, dear 4%, thank you for the memories. The 10% year yield plummeted to 3.8% warning. I know it's easy to get an over zealous out of the markets and knee-jerk reaction has been proven, but it's important to note that I don't think that this maturely affects the Fed's march towards higher rates, but it may drop December's, December's hike from 75 basis points to 50 basis point. Point is that we still have a lot of wood to chop before we can say that the light at the, the tunnel is emerging. This in some ways feels like a deja vu as it pertains to the hope trade that has gotten us burned several times. I concede, though, that it's the first data point that we could really cement a thesis off of. I'm a glass half, half full girl, but recognize that we realize that we've starved in the market for positivity. We like to call this cautious optimism. The next chapter will be, will be is that the true material momentum change, or will it turn out to be a head fake? The market is going to begin making bets, but the data will result in a confirmation of this move. For what feels like the first time in a long time, we finally got a win. We may have been up against the ropes, but we've got heart. This fight is not over yet. Cue to the music, Eye of the Tiger. It's the Eye of the Tiger. It's the thrill of the fight, rising up in the challenge of our rival and last known survivor. Stocks his prey in the night, and he's watching us all with the Eye of the Tiger. Let's go ahead and keep the fight. Tina Mitchell, and that is your money chat. Coming up next on the Money Hour, panel conversation with my two guests, Rebecca Bays of CIC Consulting Group and Kyle Williams of IP Tech. IPX 1031 right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Do you want to send gifts to your clients but don't know where to start? Heartwarming Treasures is here to make gift giving easy. Whether you have one gift to send or a hundred, they have designed amazing gifts for over 30 years that surprise and delight clients and keep their customers' business growing. Heartwarming Treasures is a family-owned company that is trusted by hundreds of business professionals. Visit their website at heartwarmingtreasures.com or give them a call at 206-547-2623. That's heartwarmingtreasures.com. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk 1150 AM. Now... Back to the show with local mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. 
you are listening to the money hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, November 12th show. You can also listen to my show podcast, Facebook premiere, or you can catch my show on my show, YouTube channel. I am your host and local mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. It is a great day to talk about money. And that is what my show is all about, how to make money, save money. So you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. I can connect you with the guests that I have on the show or answer any questions, you can go online to themoneyhour.com. And now on the show, panel conversation with Rebecca Bays of CIC Consulting Group and Kyle Williams of IPX 1031 right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Welcome to both of you for the sh- on the show. Hi, Tina. Hi, Tina. Hi, very excited to have you. And before we get into the panel conversation, I would like to share a little bit about both of you to my listeners. Rebecca is a consultant specializing in condominiums and homeowners association. She specializes in providing resale certification reviews for condo buyers and their brokers. Her 20 year of expertise with condos and construction, building envelope, engineering, consulting, commercial finance, and resale certification evaluation give her a unique skill set the market has been searching for. Rebecca is analytical, personable, and provides consulting services via Zoom to maximize the visual data tools that she has created. Her interactive services meet the variable needs of her clients and provide unparable insight and context. And then a little bit about uh, Kyle. Kyle Williams, Vice President and Account Executive with Investment Property Exchange Services, Inc., resides in Bellevue. He is responsible for sales covering Washington State. With over a decade of financial brokerage and real estate experience, includes REITs, 1031, and other real estate investments. He enjoys speaking with brokers, CPAs, attorneys, investors, and real estate professionals. Kyle received his BA from the Central Washington University in political science and history. So a little bit about uh, both Rebecca and Kyle. So Rebecca, let's go ahead and start out with you. What life experience brought you into your line of work? Yeah, I think it was really just compounding on professional experience. I started out, I wanted to be a school teacher. I ended up doing all kinds of things. And now I'm teaching based on all of the various careers I've had. So I think it's just been a compounding of changing course and adding to what I've already been professionally uh, experienced with just kind of yeah. progressed. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's great. Our life experiences and everything that we uh, do, we can bring into our profession and our uh, expertise for sure. Uh, Kyle, what about you? What life experience brought you into your line of work? So I, I've basically been doing this since college, not specifically 1031s, but uh, I've, I was always fascinated by investments, like watching CNBC in college and that sort of thing that normal college kids don't do. And uh, yeah, then I got into like REITs and some other stuff and then naturally just evolved into 1031s. Yeah. And there's, there is not many great ones out there. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into your uh, individual interview. So Rebecca, what is your favorite book and why? That's the worst question in the world. Cause I've read about a billion. Yeah. I mean, I've read so many, but I, you know, I honestly keep going back to John Steinbeck. I love his work. I read for, for escape and his simple, powerful prose does it for me. It's so easy to get into. And I, I go back to Steinbeck all the time, probably yeah. East of Eden's probably my favorite. All righty. And Kyle, what about you, uh, your favorite book and why? So I like 
I mean, I don't want to say the New Testament because that's so broad, but it is probably something that I read most often. Uh, Max Lucado books, he's a pastor in Texas, but I, I think I've read all of his books and he would definitely be my favorite, favorite author um, and someone that I read regularly. Yeah, thank you. Well, some great uh, shout outs for sure and something for our listeners to think about. Rebecca, how do you manage stress in your business? Because there's a lot that can come up when it comes to uh, being under contract on a condo and waiting for the information that you need to see what can of worms need to be opened up or not. Indeed. Yes, I breathe a lot. I, I focus breathing. I, I spend a lot, as much time as I can outdoors during the day, taking breaks and going outdoors. I find that just totally helps with stress, but really it's compound. I, I tend to, I compartmentalize it in my brain. I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at shutting off work and letting it go. And that's a good way for me to try to manage stress. Just turn it off. <laughs> yeah. That's great. What was that? escapism. <laughs> yeah. And breathing is important. I've actually done a lot on, on breathing and I learn that, uh, we naturally is that when we've, we've come out of the room, we breathe the way we're supposed to, but then over time, we actually, most people completely do it the, the, the opposite way, which is caused by stress. But when you breathe in your stomach should go out not in. Interesting and something to think about. Try, if you're listening to the show, try practicing that because it's hard until you get in the habit, uh, but that's how you breathe correctly, um, which uh, definitely has an impact on stress. And Kyle, what about you? How do you manage stress in your business? So you have to shut it off, right? Like it's, it's much easier said than done for you, me, Rebecca, for anyone in our industry right? Because we're glued to our phones, our computers. But yeah, I try to make it a habit now to shut my phone off at night, put the computer away, not do too much on the weekends, because the last couple of years have been crazy. Yeah. And it, it's not healthy. Um, it's not healthy for us to be as tuned into our work as we are, right? Yeah, you absolutely have to have those uh, times that you have blocked out for um, your family time and your fun time where that is all you do. And yes, in all of our industries, obviously we're available off business hours, but it's how you time block when you're opening up those opportunities or not so that you're really having that uh, quality of life, which actually is the last question I'd like to ask both of you for our panel conversation. Rebecca, how do you manage work-life balance? Scheduling. Absolutely scheduling. I, I'm reactive scheduling because of my clients. So whenever I know I have a day off, I schedule it, block it off, and I purposely don't do anything. You have to, it, for me, it's all about scheduling. I have to plan for it. If I don't plan for it, I will never stop working. Yeah. And I, I, everything is run off my schedule, anything business related, obviously, and personal related. And I'm here to share with you that you can be a high producer in your industry and have a quality of life. And I like to say, I work really hard, but I play just as hard. And it's because it's time blocked on my calendar. Uh, Kyle, what about you? How do you uh, manage your work-life balance? I mean, obviously you've already shared about shutting things off. Yeah, I know that's, that's important. Uh, but yeah, time blocking, definitely. Once you try to try to organize your schedule to where there is time, personal time, um, you know, working out, being outside, uh, definitely key to, you know, staying healthy and, and being active. 
Yeah. If you don't respect your own time, no one else will. If you don't set boundaries on your time, no one else will. And I always say, if it's not on your calendar, it doesn't exist. So everything needs to be there so that we can really manage and navigate through the balance that we want in business and life. And each one of us here are a high producers on our each individual field. And so it's important to be able to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for the panel conversation. I uh, really appreciate it. Coming up next on the Money Hour Resale Certificates Made Simple, Rebecca Bays of CIC Consulting, right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Are you currently or have recently been in a real estate transaction? Do you feel nervous about your house you're attempting to buy? A home warranty can help ease your mind. Ask your real estate agent about getting a home warranty. Old Republic Home Protection has been in business since 1974, and in that time they have protected over 6 million home buyers, with more than $158 million spent on claims in 2020 alone. To learn more, call Janet Olson at 253-732-5422 or email Janet, JanetO at ORHP.com, because they are people helping people. It's time that you are heard, and I don't mean in just a conversation. I mean really heard. Imagine hosting your very own radio program on Alternative Talk 1150. Talk about being heard. Call 425-653-1150 right now to learn how affordable it can be to host your own radio show. Time slots are going fast, so take hold of this chance by dialing 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Now, back to the show with local mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. You are listening to The Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, November 12th show. You can also listen to my show podcast, Facebook premiere, or you can catch my show on my show YouTube channel. I am your host, Tina Mitchell, and your local mortgage expert. I am here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show. Uh, you can reach out by going to themoneyhour.com. And now in studio, Rebecca Bays of CIC Consulting Group, resale certificates made simple right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Uh, Rebecca, really excited to have you in studio for the first time uh, because what you do is is unique. And I don't know anyone else um, that has a company that provides the service that you provide. And um, that really came in you and creating this, seeing the need that there wasn't really anything out there. So first, can you um, explain what a resale certificate is? Sure. With condominiums and now common interest community properties, when a seller goes to sell their property, they have to provide a buyer with a stack, a virtual stack of documents and financial statements and reserve studies um, and a bunch of statements that the state law requires the association tell the buyer about. So buyers get a stack of documents and that's how they try to evaluate the health of the association. 
and it is a big stack of documents we're going to talk a little bit about here uh, today with you. But what are the big challenges that you see related to resale certs? First and foremost is getting a complete resale certificate that complies with state law. That's okay. Here. We've got a little fun. We got a little fun visiting our that. virtual show. I love it. Nice sound effect. You. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for bringing us a special one in. <laughs> so go ahead, um, uh, Rebecca. So what are the biggest challenges that you see? Biggest challenge number one is getting everything you're supposed to get because the seller is obligated to provide things that the management company is supposed to give to them. And sometimes we get everything we should. Often we have to go back and say the financial statement is missing or the important document isn't here. So that's really the, the first big challenge is getting the correct documentation. Yeah. And so why are resale certs so challenging? There's a lot of layers of people involved. First and foremost, it's humans. Most management companies use some kind of document delivery service, and those services aren't specific to Washington state law. So not every management company's resale certificate report matches what the state law requires. If they don't have a box to check, they don't check a box. Therefore, it doesn't comply. That's a big reason. It's really humans. And then things like meeting minutes, somebody has to take meeting minutes, somebody has to send them to somebody, somebody has to put them in the system in order for them to get out. There's a lot of broken pieces in that chain of information. And this is why your services and, and the company that you created around this is so important. And if you're listening to the show and you're getting a loan, you want to make sure that you have everything that you need and know that up front so you're not dealing with challenges and even worse, have things fall through when you're getting towards the end of the process. Um, and Rebecca can absolutely help uh, with that process. So Rebecca, what is the most important document a buyer should look at when considering buying a condo? or not? If I had to pick one, I would focus on the reserve study, although you really have to make sure you look at all the documents together. A reserve study is a point in time document. It was correct the day it was issued, and it may not be correct the next day, if the, you know that, that position. But the reserve study is the biggest indicator of what the association is responsible to pay for during a certain time period. It's almost like a credit report. What are they obligated to do? When is it time to replace the roof? So I would focus on that just as an angle of if you buy a, a unit in this property, you are going to have to pay for these things coming up. Yes. And why is a reserve study so important, Rebecca? It documents the condition of the property as well as the age of major components. So if you were to compare two reserve studies, you would maybe in two comparable properties, you would maybe want to buy a unit in a property that already has new windows, doors, and siding, as opposed to one that's projecting those need to be done in five years or four years or 10 years. Yeah. And why are the reserve studies so challenging to understand? There's a lot of different service providers, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. There's different levels of reserve studies. The association can ask for a good one or a really expensive one, or the cheapest option out there. So there's a huge variation in service providers, which I also relate similar to if you have a vehicle and you want to get an oil change, you can go to Jiffy Lube or you can go to the dealer. And there's big variations in those costs, expenses, and quality of service. So reserve studies are similar. You can get a really good reserve study that's going to be more accurate or one that maybe isn't. 
Yeah. It's just like any other industry. You have a discounted shop and you have a full service shop. Discounted shop equals discounted service. So you absolutely have to be careful uh, there for sure. So can you talk on special assessments and why so many associations are using them? Special assessments are common and they, they almost have to be. The cost of doing business, the cost of maintaining your property and keeping insurance and paying for utilities almost is getting to the point where it's harder, it's getting harder and harder to raise dues to the level to accommodate those expenses. And then especially if a property is older and behind, there's no way to generate enough income in a short period of time to do things like roof replacements, major projects. So the biggest reason for special assessment is um, we're behind. We just didn't plan well enough ahead in the future. The second biggest is unplanned. Something happened and we didn't know about it. So you can't really do much about those. Those are acts of God or something failed sooner, which you would have had no way of knowing. But the ones where we know we have to do all this work in the future, but we're not going to put any money in our reserve account. Those are going to end up with major special assessments. Yeah. And what a, a nightmare that that can be for a buyer. So how can a buyer avoid the risk of special assessments when considering a condo purchase? First and foremost, let me help you. Absolutely. Yes. And that's a huge part of what we look at when I break down a resale certificate is the projections. What's coming? We can, we can use history to inform us of what might happen. How do they behave? How have they behaved in the past? Are they doing projects? Have they done nothing? But going forward, it's really taking their current financial position, their projections for what their dues are going to be, and then the expenses and trying to line those up. And then for me, I look really closely at what's not in the picture. Yeah. What have they talked about that isn't in the reserve study? And what might be in the reserve study that I know is going to cost more than just the material cost that the reserve study illustrates? Yeah, you don't want to get into a condo and then find out your uh, payment's going to be another $800 a month because all of a sudden the special assessment's coming in and they're going to you know, take that out over a period of time, which is going to increase all of the owner's payments. So uh, why it's so important in hiring someone like Rebecca to help you with that process so you can foresee what's coming up. It's kind of like why you get a, you know, a home inspection, a home inspector is the inspector is going to let you know the condition of the home and also is going to help prepare on what things are going to be coming up in the future so that you don't have any surprises when you get into that property. So Rebecca, how many associations or resale certificates have you analyzed during your career? I just told somebody the other day, I bet I've read a thousand declarations. Oh my gosh. That sounds so horrifying I for me. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I would absolutely need you. But I'd say maybe, you know, that's how many declarations I read, but maybe all, you know, breaking down all the resale certificates and including all the associations I have professional experience with in my 20 years, it's probably between five and 700. Yeah, that, that is a lot. And what would you say um, percentage-wise, Rebecca, in ones that you're looking at? Because you understand, because um, you do this so much, and a lot of the condos that are in our area, what's happening in the, with them, how many times do you see that there are things and issues that are coming up that they're not providing what they need, or you know that really, if they don't have you, this could be devastating for the buyer? I'd say probably 75% of the time, there's something in there that a buyer should really be aware of. Um, I've probably had 
less than 5% of my clients after doing a review decide they don't want to proceed with the purchase based on what we uncover. Those tend to be people that know nothing and didn't look at anything. Yeah. Once we go through that process, they are thrilled because now we know what to look for. The next property they get under contract, they love and they're sold. So it, sometimes it takes once or twice to educate to find the right property. Um, generally speaking, there's always something. There's no perfect association. There's no perfect condominium. There's always something that isn't ideal. Um, so it, it can, it, and there's huge variance. So what I also do is focus with the buyer. What's most important to you? What kind of risk are you willing to take on? You know, a roof project is different than a full strip and reclad and window replacement project. So there's different variations and levels of risk that we try to identify and they all have them. All yeah. Them. It's when I talked with you, this is the first time in my 27 years uh, career in the mortgage industry that I've ever talked to someone that does what you do. And why, why has this not just become a norm like a home inspector, you People, yeah. even in the market when uh, people were paying hundreds of thousand dollars over ask price and they were competing against 15 different offers, they were getting a pre-inspection. They were paying for that inspector prior to not even knowing if they were going to get a home because they knew they couldn't get their offer accepted with a, an, an inspection contingency. So why haven't we seen that with condos? And because you're such an important part of the process. And I didn't even know anybody like you existed. Well, I think that's your answer is nobody existed until I, you know, and I've, I've been working now for about two years developing this service and I tend to just work on referrals um, because then I have, you know, a little bit better chance to succeed with a, with a warm referral, especially from a broker I have a relationship with. Um, but I think it's changing. I think it's growing. I'm deaf. My business is definitely increasing as more and more people learn about the service. It will grow. Um, I expect to see competition at some point because it's it's an important aspect of any common interest community purchase. It's critical. Yeah. Understand what you're buying. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about how your, your service assists with uh, property buyers and real estate brokers. Yes. So I help brokers because of course they're the ones trying to wrangle and provide and acquire resale certificates. Um, just like a home inspection, the, the broker has to be careful having an opinion about content. It's not their job to evaluate the association. So it becomes a, another good layer of liability protection for a broker to have a third party independent person evaluate the condominium document package. Um, so I found that to be really helpful for brokers to have just another resource. Um, a lot of my new brokers, of course, love to use my service. I allow them to all sit in on the review as well. It's a good chance for them to learn. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's just, it depends on the broker. Um, but they all, if, if I'm seeing over 90% of the time there's problems with the resale certificate, they need help sorting those out. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what's the cost for your uh, service, Rebecca? Yeah, I charge $400 flat fee. Okay. Yeah. And again, it's just like the, I, uh, the best thing to compare it with as a home inspection is just, but it's on the condo side and understanding uh, that condo now and what it looks like coming into the future. And what about timeline? Um, when someone hires you to take a review at that, what does that uh, typically look like your timeframe? 
I have to move quickly. The state law gives a buyer five days to review a resale certificate. So I definitely do them within five days. So um, typically I can schedule within 24 to 48 hours. It just depends on when things come in. And I often meet on the weekends and um, buyers have jobs and lives. So depending on their flex, their schedule, um, I'm really flexible with that too. Yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned in your introduction, uh, you do virtual meetings and um, I also did a shout out about the reports because I've had the privilege to come in uh, your certified clock hour um, uh, educator. So basically it means real estate agents need to have clock hours, continued education uh, for their license. And it's, it's difficult to go through the process to get certified uh, with your content to be able to provide that. And you are when it comes to condo or, and resale. And I, I thank you for the invite. Uh, you invited me in to do a little bit uh, conversation on the financing end. And I believe it was a three-hour workshop that you did. Um, so share a little bit more about that in your education. Platform. Sure. I'm licensed by the Department of Licensing, so I can teach for clock hour credits. Um, I, I focus on resale certificates. I do have to teach within an approved school. Um, I've taught with several agencies that have their own school, and, and I love it. I really enjoy that part. I'm very big on how can I make this simple, and that's something I've really worked hard to do, building visual templates that are as simple as possible to convey all of that information and all those documents into one picture. If I could, if I could create an emoji, I would, but I can, yeah. that's all I can do is a chart. <laughs> and that's what I was going to do. Give a shout out. That's why I mentioned the continued education. I forgot my thought process there and where I was going with it. Um, being in the presentation and seeing the charts and how you're able to actually line all these things out in a really under easy to understand uh, process was, uh, was amazing. So we've got two minutes to wrap up our time here. And I want to ask you, what are you seeing as the biggest things that's happening out there with condos um, and the resale start that's preventing uh, buyers from moving forward um, with their purchase because it's not a safe purchase for them to make. Buyers are scared of special assessments always, and they should be unless we can fully understand that risk. We, we say it, I say it all the time, identified risk is the best. If we can see the risk and quantify it and understand it, great, we can accept that risk. But buyers walk away when there's too much unidentified risk. If we know there's a need to do some work in the future, but we have no idea how much it will cost or when it might happen, that's a lot of unidentified risk. If we know there's a project, we know there's a cost, there's a special assessment in place, that's really good identified risk. That's much lower risk because it's identified. Yeah. So I find that when I do these resale certificate reviews, the, the biggest problematic ones that people walk from is when they can't identify the risk. Absolutely. And as a wrapping up time here and the importance of what Rebecca and her company and service uh, offer, don't weigh on the lending because you may say, well, I'm getting a loan. A lender's not going to lend on a bad condo that's going to put me at risk. That would be a wrong assumption. Just like a home inspection, the lender doesn't know what's going on in the detail of that all the time with the property. It's only from the surface level that the appraiser is going to look. And on the resale, um, depending on your qualification, you may not need a full questionnaire. And if you don't need a full questionnaire to qualify for the financing end, uh, then there's things that don't, that can of worm is not getting open. And so with Rebecca and her services she provides, she is opening everything up so you know exactly where you're at. So Rebecca, thank you for uh, the inspiration behind creating your company and bringing this into our industry. And I think it's going to be uh, definitely something that's going to catch on for sure uh, with buyers. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tina. Coming up next on the Money Hour, all things 1031. Kyle Williams of IPX 1031 right here on 1150 AM KKNW.
So in today's shifting real estate market, who you choose to represent you is critical. Experience matters and working with a team who has a history of navigating the tumultuous process of buying or selling will undoubtedly impact your results. Questions about buying a home or preparing your current home for market? Karen Hake is a respected broker on the Rosie Rourke team and would be happy to provide a free consultation. Karen Hake, who is a real estate broker with the leading Rosie Rourke team and Keller Williams, Mountain to Sound. She'd love to answer your real estate questions. Call her anytime for a free consultation at 206-851-3344 or email her at karen at rosyrourke.com. Again, 206-851-3344 or karen at rosyrourke.com. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Now, back to the show with local mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. You are listening to The Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, November 12th show. You can also listen to my show podcast, Facebook premiere, or you can catch my show on my show YouTube channel. I am your host, Tina Mitchell, and your local mortgage expert. I bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market on everything regarding your money. And now in studio, I have Kyle Williams of IPX 1031 Exchange, all things at 1031 right here on 1150 AM, KKNW. And Kyle, is my guy when it comes to 1031 exchange. I have not had anyone else in this uh, this space that's come into studio and he's a regular contributor of the show. So Kyle, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, always and an privileged to have you here. Yeah, I, I love being here, Tina. It's always, you and I always have these awesome conversations and I'm always looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, likewise. And I said, well, before we actually uh, started the show today um, in our introductions with everybody, I've made a shout out. I've had an opportunity to recently see Kyle in person for one of his uh, presentations. And we don't have enough time here today. And it's not the same as when in person. Uh, but Kyle is an amazing guy. You have just a great sense of humor that really brings in to the reality um, and takes away the dryness of sometimes with the 1031, you get your information across to where it really sticks with people. So um, just love having you in the show. So, and you need to have somebody and we're going to, if we have time, we'll get to this a little bit later, but you have to have somebody that you can really trust when they're handling all this money with the 1031 exchange. So Kyle, can you explain what a 1031 is? Yeah. So a 1031 allows an investor, a real estate investor to sell their investment property and use all the equity, not just the after-tax equity to reinvest into something bigger and better. So it's, it's really the, uh, you know, the greatest wealth building tool for the middle class uh, because they're buying and selling real estate, moving up and deferring the taxes along the way. Yeah. Anytime we can defer taxes, that is a really great thing. So uh, who uses 1031s? Uh, a lot of people. Uh, it's not just real estate moguls that are that are buying and selling large commercial buildings. But, you know, it, it's like now we'll see young millennials that bought their first rental a few years ago. They've got some equity in it and they're going to sell that and move up and buy a duplex. So it really runs runs across the board. And we've heard quite a bit uh, uh, of talk about getting rid of 1031s. And this has come up before, but but really 1031 is the greatest wealth building tool for the middle class. Yeah, it's, it's whether people know that it's out there and that they have that option, because I would imagine there's been a high percentage of people that could have done a 1031 exchange and they did not, and they've lost out on a lot of money. Would that be an accurate statement, uh, Kyle? 
Absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many people will do an exchange and say, I wish I would have known about this before because I've sold, you know, a few rentals in the past and didn't do those and paid taxes. And you know, I could have so much more equity now if I would have done that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's why I love the fact that um, I've had this show for the last 11 years, just to really bring in everything when it comes to um, your finances and how to maximize uh, income and minimize taxes. So we talked a little bit, but I want to go into a little bit more detail of what is the current state of 1031s and are there any plans or do you have concerns of them being eliminated into the future, Kyle? Yeah, so it it is coming up more. you know, it, it's tough to say what will happen with, with Section Code 1031. Uh, and it's really a nonpartisan thing because uh, Trump got rid of uh, personal property 1031s, which was a big chunk of the 1031 market a few years ago. And now the Biden administration has talked about getting rid of 1031. So, you know, we've seen it before every few years, uh, you know, a, a congressperson might stumble upon 1031 and say, hey, what's this 1031 thing? It looks like a tax loophole. You know, so it's come up before. There's a little momentum now, I guess, with uh, with the current state of things. Uh, but at the end of the day, again, it's the greatest wealth building tool for the middle class. Uh, it generates a ton of revenue. Uh, I know that some of the big four accounting firms like Ernst & Young have said that uh, if they got rid of 1031s, it would have you know well over $100 billion negative impact on the economy over the next decade. So. Wow. It's tough to imagine that Congress would cut their nose to spite their face and get rid of 1031s. So as of right now, I think we're okay, but it's definitely something that that people like you and I should monitor in the industry. Yeah, absolutely, because that would be um, it would be devastating if um, if we did lose them. So uh, hopefully that is not the case. So what are the trends that you see with investors right now, Kyle? So what's crazy is that after COVID started. Uh, and really, even before COVID, we'd see more people uh, buying up real estate, uh, you know, maybe buying land in like Montana, for example. And then that got super expensive. And then Idaho got super expensive. And really, we've seen, I mean, there's still plenty of people coming up here. But in terms of Washington investors, uh, it seems like, you know, many of them go to one of four states, Arizona, Texas, Tennessee, or Florida. Uh, but then it's like, well, who's buying property up here? Because obviously, they're selling a ton of people from California, Northern California. Yeah. So it's like, if, if, if we see people coming into the state, it seems like they're all from California. If we see people leaving the state, they're gonna go South. So uh, definitely two huge trends that you know we're still seeing to this day. Yeah, alrighty. So what are your thoughts on the rates continuing to go up outside of today? Because today, I shouldn't say today, um, Thursday um, was the first time that we've seen, I mentioned in my money chat, uh, over 180 basis points improvement on the bond market and interest rates uh, dropped a half a percent in one day, which is just crazy. We've seen a lot of that happen with rates going up, but not going down. What are your thoughts in rates continuing to possibly go up in the future? Yeah, it's, 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 so the government, I mean, it costs, it costs money to service the debt and the higher the interest rates go, the more expensive it gets. So at the end of the day, I don't think the Fed can push too much further, right? Like we saw, I mean, there was some good news that inflation has slowed down and, and the markets went crazy. I saw, before I got on, I saw the 30-year mortgage went from like 720 to 660 today. That's yeah. an insane move. Crazy. But I think a lot of people are getting ahead of it and thinking that you know maybe the worst is behind us in terms of inflation, we may hit some, you know, some recessionary waves, but 
um, hopefully this is, uh, hopefully we're kind of near the top. Yeah, yeah, hope, hopefully for sure. So does anything change with the results of the midterms? Uh, I don't, I don't think it really changes too much. I, the Fed theoretically is uh, a nonpartisan organization. Mm-hmm. And I know like, you know, Trump was, Trump was always talking to, you know, telling Jay Powell he should do this, that, and the other, the Fed chair. And, uh, you know, we know the Biden administration definitely wants them to slow down on the interest rate hikes. And so, but but they don't really listen. They, they play by their own rules. So in terms of what the Fed does, I don't know, I don't think much will change, but, you know, I think we'll hear, uh, um, it may not be the worst thing either if, if, if the Democrats have the Senate and the Republicans have the House. Uh, lame duck, you know, it, it, sometimes it's better when Congress can't do anything, right? Yeah. And, and and screw things up. So, you know, I, I, hopefully uh, if there's a split house, then, you know, not too much will uh, we'll move the needle one way or another. Yeah. So why do people want to work with your company, Kyle? So 1031s are unregulated. Um, I talk about this in all my presentations. And a lot of money has been lost in 1031s, literally billions of dollars. And it's not to say there's not good 1031 companies out there because there are, and there's plenty of good 1031 companies. But I met with numerous exchangers over the years that have lost money locally in 1031 exchanges. And sometimes you know, it could be cyber theft, sometimes there's fraud involved, um, but you just need to know who you're working with. Like their insurance policies should be on their website. Um, what helps with us is that we're a publicly traded company under Fidelity National Financial, so we're audited regularly. Um, our financials are posted online. We're, we're perfectly transparent with everything. Um, so again, you just need to do your due diligence uh, when you hire a qualified intermediary for your 1031. And that is a that is a huge takeaway if you're listening to the show um, because the financial security of a company that is holding on to those funds for your 1031 exchange is critically important, right, Kyle? A hundred percent. And yeah, when you talk about holding funds, it's like you really need to know who that is because at the end of the day in an unregulated market, I mean, we've seen any number of scenarios play out, but uh, I mean, what if what if someone is holding your money and, and investing it? What if they're putting it in Bitcoin, making money on your money and they tell you it's in a bank account, right? So you really need to know who you're working with because they control funds. In the entire real estate process, Escrow never truly controls funds. You know, your real estate agent never truly controls funds. We do. Yeah. As a, as, as a qualified intermediary, so that's why it's so important to know where your funds are at and who's holding them. Yeah, absolutely. So, how complicated is the 1031 uh, exchange process, Kyle? It's it's actually really really easy. Uh, our role as a disinterested party uh, prevents us from being the client's attorney, their CPA you know, their financial advisor, really involved in the situation uh, in terms of giving them uh, direction outside of 1031 rules and regulations. So at the end of the day, uh, clients will sign an exchange agreement, some disclosures that allow us to hold funds. And then really their job is to find new property. So the hardest part is not the paperwork or getting the exchange shut up. The hardest part, especially in our market up here in, in the Northwest, is finding new property. Yes, absolutely. So I didn't realize this until I met you for the first time um, and heard one of your presentations on how long the 1031 exchange has been around and how it was created. 
Yeah, so that's yeah, that's actually a really cool story. And I'm kind of a nerd, so I'd like to I like to learn these things. And so it was about a hundred years ago, I think 1921, and it was called Section 202. It wasn't 1031, but it really morphed into 1031. And it was for farmers who wanted to rotate crops, uh, similar things to that. It was true, it was a true exchange, it was a true deed swap a um, hundred years ago. And there was actually a guy in the Northwest, uh, his name was TJ Starker, who uh, kind of challenged that deed swap and took five years to complete his deed swap. And the IRS challenged him. I think that case wrapped up in the late 70s. And by 91 or 92, the IRS had come up with some of the rules that we see today. So yeah, it's been around for 100 years and about 30 years or so in its current form. Yeah, that's crazy. So let's talk about uh, the term like kind, what that mm -hmm. means for your 1031 exchange. Yes. Uh, another question that comes up regularly with clients, uh, they may be selling, uh, they may be selling a rental and they're like, Hey, can I buy this, this land over in Montana? Because I heard about this like kind thing. So it probably doesn't work, but I figure I'd ask it does work. Yeah. Any type of real property held for business or investment use is like kind. Um, uh, 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 an idea for people out there that are landowners uh, I mean, owning land is great. There's a lot of reasons to do it. Uh, but many landowners, if you talk to them, uh, they've made money just like everything else, all other real estate that's gone up over the last 20, 30, 40 years. But if you ask them, hey, have you thought about selling this property? They'll say, what am I going to do? Pay taxes and buy something just as expensive? Yeah. They don't know that they can do a 1031 exchange and actually sell that land, put that stagnant equity to work and exchange into something like a duplex or a rental where they can start collecting income every month. They can get the tax benefit of depreciation because they don't know they can do that. And then if even if they understand 1031s, they have no idea that like kind means they can sell that land in exchange into something like a rental, for example. Yeah, I, and it's one of those areas that is just surprising of um, how many consumers don't know that exists or how it actually works. Let's talk about the time frame that you have in being able to secure and find a new property um, once you start that 1031. So yeah, after the clients close on their sale, they have 45 days to identify a new property to purchase. That's That 45 days is like some crazy time order. It will fly by. Yes. So we make sure clients know, don't drag your feet, find something as soon as you can, because 45 days um, isn't a lot of time, especially in this market. So 45 days you have to identify, which means let us know in writing what you intend on purchasing. Ultimately, you have 180 days in total to close on what you've identified. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I need more time to identify. I don't need six months to close. Well, there's a lot of new builds going up e everywhere in this country. And sometimes people do need the full 180 days to close. So that it's there if you need it. But the, uh, the most important part is finding property within that 45-day period. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's easier now that we've had the market shift, but um, definitely cause challenges when, you know, with the lack of inventory and you're competing against 15 other buyers to see if you're going to get the property, right? Yep. Yeah. So Kyle, how long do you have to hold your investment property before you can do an exchange? So this is interesting because with 1031, as, as with much of the tax code, it's made up of gray area. Mm -hmm. And so this squarely falls in the gray area, but it's a very common question because the IRS has said that flips don't qualify. There needs to be long-term intent to hold for business or investment use. Well, what does that mean? Well, the IRS hasn't really defined it. Um, 
Elsewhere in the tax code, when they say long-term, they mean one year or greater. But some CPAs, some CPAs say hold for two years just to be safe and remove all doubt. Um, but even then, uh, clients may have a long-term intent and they buy, uh, they bought a rental in January, say a uh, $800,000 rental in, um, I don't know, Linwood. And they get an unsolicited offer today, you know, 10 or 11 months later for 1.1 million from a developer who's buying this, the, the entire block. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I haven't held it for a year. Can I still do an exchange? We'd refer them to their CPA, but uh, many times the CPA will say, absolutely, your intent was not to flip this property or sell it. You got an offer that it would be silly for you to say no to, so absolutely do an exchange. Uh, so, so the broad rule of thumb is if you hold for a year, get some sort of rental, uh, business use, rental income that you can report, you're probably okay, but it's really a case-by-case -case basis, which is why we encourage clients to talk to your CPA, see what they say. So Kyle, what do you see as the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to a 1031 exchange? So probably waiting too long to look for property. Um, you know, 45 days in your head, it sounds like a lot of time. And we see a lot of clients even today uh, that they'll close on their property and, you know, they'll kind of be looking here and there and then they'll start scrambling once they realize, you know, 25, 30 days in, hey, there's not a ton of inventory out there. Even today, I mean, we see more inventory pop up on the market, but, you know, clients can't wait. They can't drag their feet on uh, identifying property. Yeah. So outside of what we've talked about today, um, Kyler, are there any other uh, myths out there when it comes to 1031? Um, so one of the common myths is because uh, 1031s used to include personal property too. A lot of business owners like restaurant owners want to exchange their equipment uh, non-real estate stuff that pops up all the time, uh, but clients can only exchange real property. So if you own real property and you're unsure whether it qualifies, um, this could be, you know, like a 30-year lease. That's actually exchangeable as fee simple property. Um, uh, many other things, commercial, retail, water rights in our state. Um, a lot of things you can really get off in the weeds on like kind and what you can exchange. But yeah, if anyone listening has questions on oh, you know, I own this this 40-year ground lease, would this qualify? You know, feel free to reach out to me and I'm more than happy to, to help answer those questions. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. Anything else coming up on the horizon or any last um, shout out that you'd like to make uh, today for my listeners? Yeah, uh, yeah, for, for questions, you know, we're here to answer those. Uh, we want clients, a, a big thing too, is that if you own real estate, you should have a good CPA. I can't stress that enough because there's clients People would, would, I mean, I'm still surprised to this day when I hear clients that have millions of dollars in real estate and they do TurboTax. And it's nothing against TurboTax, but there's a lot of things that you're probably missing. Uh, so, you know, I, I encourage people, if there's any advice I can give, work with a good CPA, work with a good financial advisor. I mean, you know, lender, broker, you need to have good professionals in your corner. You can't do it yourself. And even if you can, I mean, you know, do you have the time to do that? Yeah. And the time you have to have the time and the expertise in the constant changes that happen. And that's the why behind the show was to create a platform where I brought in the best of the best when it comes to anything regarding money and how to navigate and get you connected with those people. So, uh, and that's why you're here, Kyle. Kyle, thank you so much for coming back on the show and being my 1031 guy. 
Yes. Thanks, Tina. I appreciate it. And if you're listening to the show, uh, please feel free to go to themoneyhour.com to connect with either of the guests that I had on the show today. Uh, or if you'd like to connect and talk mortgage, I'm here to support you there. Uh, Tina Mitchell, your host and local mortgage expert. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I look forward to talking more money with you next weekend right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145 420 is a licensed loan originator with Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, NMLS 134871. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited.